0: the best performance of tony collette's career and it didn't get her an oscar nomination today i'm talking about her performance in hereditary this is scott's self-indulgent movie podcast Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I'm starting off a new series called Award-Worthy Performances, and this is meant to highlight performances that either didn't get their due when they first came out or had a chance to be nominated but were not. So, yeah, so I thought I'd start off with one. It's it's a, one of the most acclaimed performances of the past, like, five or six years, and it's Tony Collette in Hereditary, and today I'm going to go into kind of the performance itself, why it wasn't nominated, including kind of the history that goes into that, and then why I think it was worthy of a nomination. So without further ado, let's get started. The end of the year and the beginning of the next is when Oscar buzz starts in earnest as studios look to release their biggest contenders for the full award season in winter, and it can be both a very rewarding and frustrating experience for movie fans who will see their favorite movies and performances get snubbed. But the lack of hardware doesn't mean that a performance is any less impactful, memorable, or award-worthy. Which is why my newest series is all about award-worthy performances. That either didn't get any major nominations or wins, why they probably didn't get any nominations, and why I think the voters got it wrong. And we're kicking things off with a bang with Ari Aster's breakout debut film, Hereditary, and its tour-de-force lead performance by Toni Collette. The performance is Annie Graham. At first glance, you'd think that this is the kind of movie that studios would be stumbling over themselves to celebrate, including Tony Collette's performance. It's a dark-as-hell family drama and horror movie, distributed by indie darling studio A24, and features great acting across the board. And the center of the film is Tony Collette's matriarch, Annie Graham was still trying to recover after the death of her mother, whom she had a very fraught relationship with, only to be launched into another family tragedy before being beset upon by a malevolent force that threatens to take out the entire family. So why wasn't it nominated? It would be disingenuous to say that Colette's performance was unrecognized, because it certainly was. Every review worth its salt highlighted Collette's acting, and she received a number of nominations from city-based film circles like the Chicago Film Critics Association Awards, where she won and was nominated for Best Actress. But the Oscars, that's an entirely different animal, with a much older sensibility towards certain genres, namely horror movies. In short, horror movies have to do something really special to get any kind of nomination at the Oscars. In almost a hundred years, only six horror movies have been nominated for Best Picture, and each one could come with a caveat about being a game-changing movie or such a giant box office presence that it would feel strange to ignore it. And those movies are The Exorcist in 1973, which was the first horror movie to be nominated and a legitimate phenomenon upon release. We also have 1975's Jaws, a movie that changed the movie business and invented the summer blockbuster, also an easy argument that it's not quite a pure horror movie either. Then we have Silence of the Lambs in 1991. Again, easy to argue that it's not a pure horror movie, but also a critical and commercial darling with two Academy Award-winning performances. The Sixth Sense in 1999, which was another movie nominated in multiple categories while being one of the biggest movies of the year. Then about ten years later, we have Black Swan, which was a critical darling led by a Best Actress-winning performance from Natalie Portman, that again is less pure horror and much more of a psychological horror. And finally, we have Get Out in 2017, which was a straight horror movie that won for Best Screenplay, put Jordan Peele on the map as a great filmmaker, and was a giant critical and box office draw. With Get Out, I'm sure a lot of people felt like perhaps the tide was turning. Yes, Peele's film had an inescapable racial politics that made it impossible to, to ignore and also made it appeal to Academy voters, but if you're going to at least nominate performances like Daniel Kailua, you could do something like that for Hereditary, Right? Right? Sadly no. There's not a good reason for this, but a trend I've noticed is that once a movie gets nominated in one category, it tends to get nominations in others. It is very rare for just an acting performance to get nominated unless there's substantial award hype around the movie itself, even if it is even if it's not nominated. For example, Melissa McCarthy was nominated the same year Tony Collette could have been for an against-type performance in Can You Ever Forgive Me that also features a nominated performance from Richard E. Grant for Best Supporting Actor, whereas three actors from The Favorite were all nominated in the same year. I won't be going into Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book getting a bunch of nominations in this year and wins because it'll irritate me, but trust me, those movies are going to hold up far worse than Hereditary. The real shame is that Tony Collette put in one of the most painfully powerful performances I've ever seen. So let's get into why it should have been nominated. A lot of the most acclaimed performances in movie history are what I'll dub transformational. Either someone crafts a character so distinctive it'll stay with you for all time, or they become someone else. It's not lost on me that Brendan Fraser won an Oscar for playing a morbidly obese man, while Michelle Yeoh won one for playing over a dover dozen different versions of herself at the past year's Oscars. Toni Collette's performance, by comparison, is every facet of a difficult emotion in all of its terrifying expressions. Grief. Based on the premise, you'd assume that it's her mom's passing that sends Collette's Annie into a tailspin, but it isn't. It's the horrific death of her daughter, Charlie. So much about Collette's reaction is both honest and chilling. Her blood-curdling scream when she discovers Charlie's body writhing on the floor wailing, I want to die after her funeral, and that's the first five minutes or so after that. We haven't even gotten to, into one of the most uncomfortable dinners in cinema history, where Annie probes her son, played by Alex Wolf or one of the most jaw-dropping moments in dreams, where she t- dreams up telling her son that I never wanted to have you before attempting to bring back her words with her hands while being horrified by herself. The movie hangs on her emotional state as she tries to process her grief as her family falls apart, as she reaches out to her departed daughter and then realizes much too late who she's actually reaching out to. Which leads into one of the best acting moments of the century Annie shifting from horror at her husband going up in flames, then being possessed in a single shot. Just a masterwork in terms of line delivery, physicality, and intensity that few performances in 2018, let alone the last 20 years of movies, can match. Hopefully, with an evolving academy, their thinking about performances like Colette's will shift as well. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.